Okay, so we're doing um, uh, a very interesting question that was brought to my attention by Tamar and uh, yeah, I guess they were learning together. So it's uh, a really interesting story in the Torah that's kind of hard to understand. So it's been Perak Dalit. It's basically talking about Moshe Rabbeinu beginning his journey down to Mitzrayim. Okay, so this is prior to him actually going to Mitzrayim to borrow after the Sna, after God entrusted him with his mission. But basically, he's, he's going down to Mitzrayim. Okay? He's going down to Mitzrayim. Okay. So, what happened? So he took his uh, wife and his kids on the donkey, and he's going down to Mitzrayim. Fine. And then, in the middle of the road, so the Pasuk says, is in Perik Dalad, Pasuk Chav Dalad, Vahi Baderach Bamalon. And they were on the road in the hotel. Hashem, and Hashem encountered him. Okay, uh, Rashi Tirgum says a Malach encountered Moshe Rabbeinu Ayvakish Hamisa and wanted to kill him. Okay, he sought to kill Moshe Rabbeinu. Hashem sent the Malach who sought to kill him. <coughs> okay, that's not so good. So Vatikach Tziporat Sar. So quickly, Sipora went and grabbed a um, a rock. It's called a, a firestone, I'm told. Okay, it's a type of a rock, sharp, very sharp rock. And Vatichros is our last bina, and she cut the yarrow, the foreskin of her son. Vataga leraglov, and then she threw it, I guess the foreskin, presumably. To the feet of uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, Vatomer, and she said, "Ki chasan damim atali," because you are a. Not clear how to even translate that, but um, uh, husband of blood you are to me. Okay, we'll read this with Rashi, but I mean, just read the pesukim just to see how cryptic they actually are. Vayiref mimenu, and then Hashem, where the Malach stopped. Attacking Moshe Rabbeinu, Azamra. So then she said, "Chasan damim lamulos." Somehow, <coughs> my husband, the blood of my husband, regarding Brismila, regarding Mila, and that's the end of the story. Okay, so just reading the psukim is uh, hard pressed to know what, what's going on altogether. So I thought maybe we could try to learn the parsha through the eyes of Rashi. Okay, so what happened according to Rashi? So Rashi says, He wanted to kill him. Because Eliezer's son was, I guess, eight days old. And he didn't give Mila. And because he was lax about the Mila, he was punished Misa. So Moshe Rabbeinu was going to be punished to get killed, Misa. Um, okay. So Tanya, I'm a Rabbi Yossi. So Rabbi Yossi responded, Chaz v'shalom, lonis Rachel, Moshe Rabbeinu, the great Moshe Rabbeinu would be lax in the great, such an important mitzvah as Mila, Chaz v'shalom. Can't be. Ella, rather what happened? Amar, he said, If I do Mila, and then I keep going on the road, keep traveling to Mitzrayim, Sakana hi Latino It's going to be a Sakana for the baby for three days, because it needs three days to heal, at least three days, and it's Sakana to be traveling on the road with uh, after Mila. So if I do Mila, on the other hand, if I do Mila today and I wait three days, Hashem said I should go down to Mitzrayim. So I'm stuck. So he basically had like almost like a contradiction, you know what to do? Right? He has like two commands, he can't do them both. Okay, so that's why I guess he didn't do Mila. So then Rashi asked the natural question, So why then was he punished? Right? What did he do wrong? The fish and his asik b'malon t'chila. 
because he was involved, he involved himself with the hotel first. So he involved himself with the hotel first. But what does that mean, he involved himself with the hotel first? But what's he supposed to do? He can't... He doesn't really have a choice yet about it. What's he supposed to do? Yeah, like, what's he supposed to do? How's he not supposed to... Right? Like, it's not really resolving the, the story. What's he supposed to do? Involve him alone first, but... Well, he couldn't have done Mila altogether because this is a danger. So Rashi and the Ran on the Gemara there, I looked at the Rashi and on the Gemara, they learned that it means like this, is that, that, <coughs> that once he found the hotel, the hotel was really a solution. <coughs> because he could book a room in the hotel, and then he could kind of like stay there. And even if he travels down to Mitzrayim with his kid, since he has like a hotel and a place to rest and to set, set up shop, so that they really won't be dangerous. And I'll be able to avoid the danger by, uh, like, I guess if they're itinerant, they don't have any place for the whatever, and they're traveling, it's nice and be dangerous. But once they have the hotel, the hotel was the solution. So then the question is, okay, so the hotel's the solution, so what was the problem? So, so why was so was wrong? So that's what they're saying is that he should have not been involved with the hotel first. Apparently, once he saw that there was a hotel, he should have known that he would have been able to work out the details. So he should have done Milo right then, but since at that moment he didn't do Milo right away, but instead he first involved himself with the hotel, therefore he was in danger. Therefore uh, he was Chai Misa, I guess. And, and then what happened? Now, let me just keep reading in the Rashi, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk in a minute. Well, yeah, so what happened? So, well, yeah, Malach Nachash. So the Malach made it became like a snake. And it was swallowing Moshe Rabbeinu from his head until his thighs. And then it was swallowing him again from his feet until the makom of the Mila. So Hevina Tzipora, when Tzipora witnessed this, it was calling attention to the makom of the Mila. So she realized that this whole thing was because of the Mila. The reason why Moshe Rabbeinu was kind of being uh, swallowed up or his life was becoming in danger or, you know, he played him shot. Somehow it was clear that he was dying. Maybe he stopped breathing, whatever. She realized that, uh, that it was because of the Mila. So what did she do? So she grabbed... No. So she grabbed the, 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 this rock and she cut the, did the Mila and then she threw it by the feet of Moshe. Not clear why she did that, but that's what she did. Vatomer, and she said, Rashi al regarding her son, Ki chasan What does that mean, Rashi? Atoha yisa goreim You were, would have, were causing, you child, Eliezer, were causing that my husband, was being killed because of you. Horegishi atali, you're a killer of my husband, to me. Okay, so she's saying that means that you are a husband killer to me. Okay, okay, that's interesting. And then <coughs> the next, then by Yira, no, no, she's talking to her son regarding her son. about her son. I don't know who she's talking to. You, my this is her son. Albina. He says he's saying regarding her son that you. Her son, Yes. Yes, because of her son and her son's mila, or lack thereof, she's not getting the. She's, yeah, she's not getting. He's going to be killed. So, so that's what happened. And then, by uh, One second. Okay. And then by Manu, it says, and then. The Malach uh, rested from her. Rashi from Havina. Then she understood Shalhamila Balahargo that uh, that the Malach was trying to kill her, to kill him because of the Mila. So then she said, Amra Chasanda Memlamulos. What does that mean, Rashi? Chasani Hayanir Mila. My husband is going to be killed because of the matter of Mila. Okay, lamulos means al devar hamulos, and the matter of the the, the issue because of mila. Okay, and that is the end of the story. So, um, does anyone have any um, particular problems with the story, or is it uh, straightforward to understand?
She's not repeating it. The first time she's saying about the boy, that the boy is a husband killer, and the second time it's saying is the Malach rested, and she understood that it was because of the Mila, and now she's saying is that the, he was going to be killed because of Mila. It's a little different. Just shot. I mean, I'm not really explaining anything. I'm just saying the shot of it. It's a little different in the two instances. She added in the instant the word Lamulos the second time. The first time Rashi's learned she was accusing the boy of endangering her husband's life. The second time, she's blaming it on the Mila. The boy was eight days old. Why would you accuse an eight-day-old baby of anything? Okay, okay, so that's a good question. So first, that's one question. What does that mean? She's accusing he her, her no boy? He has no at that point. He right. can't do anything about it. <coughs> right, it's not his fault. It's Moshe fault. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Good question. Right, I was asking why blame the boy. It's not the boy. It's the Moshe fault. Okay, someone else, a question? There's no shortage of questions here. So feel free to chime in. Um, I'm Christian, it's Grace. Okay, hey Grace. Hi. Um, so I think it's also partially from what she was saying is that it's not so clear, like, who is, like, she just says, it doesn't seem that Shem is trying to kill Moshe. There's no, there's no, like, object. There's no person in it. So who is, like, Hogni Cho? Who is that? Because, like, why was the solution be to... to um, give a breath to the son. Like, is it killing the son or is it killing Moshe? Like, right. Is my question? Right, I hear you. I mean, I think Rashi's learning <coughs> he was killing Moshe because Moshe didn't do the Mila to his son. So therefore the solution was to somehow to do Mila to the son. You know what I mean? But it's not going to kill the son because the son, it's not the son's fault that he didn't have the Mila because he's too little. So it's Moshe Rabbeinu's fault, but you're not going to kill the son, you're going to kill Moshe Rabbeinu because he's the one who's not doing it. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I'm not saying it makes very much sense, but I'm saying, I think it's just like, I'm not sure what your question is. is your question, you still have a question or no? Um, okay, no, that makes sense. Okay, it doesn't name a person, but Rashi explains that. start a story where it doesn't even name Okay, I think we have, I mean, I hear that question, but that's, we have bigger questions than that. You know, I mean, that's the style, I don't know, it doesn't say the name, but that's how she interprets it. I mean, the only person whose name is mentioned here is Tzipor, it doesn't mention Moshe, it doesn't mention his son, it doesn't, you know. Okay, that's a question. It doesn't mention them by name, it just mentions them. Sure. So, are we supposed to just extrapolate from the, from the fact that Tzipor mentioned that it's referring to her husband and her son? No, I think we should just go with Rashi and try to go with Rashi's interpretation of the story, not necessarily to know how Rashi knows this. Okay. Let's try to understand the story because it's a pretty wacky story given the fact that Rashi is interpreting it this way. So, I mean, not that there's not what to figure out how why the Torah talks that way, but that's like, uh, if you know what I mean, it's like a secondary level type of a question. You know, the main thing is to understand what's going on, and then we can figure out why the Torah chose to express itself in this way and not in that way, and that you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, who's that? Um, Sharon. Hey, Sharon. That the story doesn't give us much detail. Yeah. I mean, plain shot. Rashi has to fill in a lot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, the content. I mean, maybe there's something more to it. But let's say I would answer you like this is when it happened. It's like Moshe Rabbeinu is going down. Then this is when the eighth day of his Mila happened. You know. And this is just when it happened. I mean, but you could be asking, like, why did God make it happen this way? But you know, that's like a harder kind of question. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, but you're asking, like, is there, you could be asking, is there some more significance to the timing of this event other than the fact that this is just historically when it happened? Right. And, and if it isn't, why is it so, if it's not a timing, why is it so important to, to reveal this story? <coughs> okay, that's a good question. And what's the, what's the import? 
Who cares about the story? Right. Maybe it ends up being an event. Like, what do we learn from the story? Right. Okay, good. Good. Adding on to what Sharon said, um, it doesn't even tell in the Torah at this point that he had a child or that he named it. It just gets mentioned later. Oh, that's so, where, where is that? That's later? Yeah, in Yitro, when he brings them. Oh my gosh, you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't mention them at all. I know it doesn't mention it there. Does it not mention it at all at any point before that? It doesn't mention Eliezer here, I don't think at all. We looked for it. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, but it does say Erlas not. but I hear what you're saying. It doesn't, it's almost like not relevant who they were or anything like that. It's more, it's more like, I guess it could be, it's like it's more story about Moshe Rabbeinu than about Eliezer, per se, you know? But that is interesting to notice. That is interesting. Also, what kind of punishment is this? Because he's being punished in a way that he, he's powerless to actually do anything. So only Sikora is the one who's act. So um, what's, what does God want? Does he want Moshe to do tshuva? Does he want Sikora to make this realization? Right. Um, and also it seems kind of harsh. Like God doesn't usually go around trying to kill people that don't do mitzvot. Um, yeah, it could ruin God's entire plan to save the Jewish people. So right. why didn't he just tell them to do a breach? Right, it's true. It's true. And it's true. It's also funny how what she does and how rectifies it for him. Right? Like, well, it's very nice that she does me a little, but she wasn't the problem, right? Yeah. She was his mitzvah to do. Yes, yeah, his mitzvah to do. So it's very nice was that somehow... It's almost as if the physical fact that he doesn't have Mila is the cause of the problem here. But isn't it the hate of Moshe Rabbeinu of not doing it? So how does it fix things exactly by her doing it? Yeah, and it doesn't say, and then Moshe did Shuvah or something yeah, like right, that. Yeah, right, right, exactly, right. She, he's like noticeably absent from the story. It's more talking about her, right? I know, it's right. interesting. He's like a pass, very passive uh, player in the story. By saving Moshe, she saved everybody else. Right. It's true. What did you say? She said basically all Kaisha owes their lives to uh, Tzipporah. Because uh, this is what saved Moshe made them. I mean, it is interesting, just as a, a note, is that apparently if she didn't do this, the claim shot, if she didn't do this, Moshe made would have gotten killed. And what would God have done? I don't know. It would work out some other way to do it. But it's like, you see, no one is like um, too big to fall. Right? There's no such thing as that. We don't hold by even the greatest person that you think would be most instrumental in God's plan. If he messes up, then he could be dispensable. And look, I call you strong. God would figure out what he wants, you know, whatever. But there's no guarantee that somebody can have because you're a big tzaddik, so that's it. No, there's nothing to worry about. It's interesting. I know, if not for Tzipora stepping it up, it seems that's what would have happened. Yeah, I mean, obviously these two things are difficult. Her change of the two things that she's saying, she's blaming her son, and she's saying the Mila. It's also what she's saying. After the Malach stopped killing him, then she realized that it was because of the Mila. And therefore she said, my husband is going to be killed because of the Mila. But didn't she realize that already earlier? Otherwise, why would she have taken yeah, the Yeah, exactly. The first, exactly. She, she responded, and the Pshah and the Pasuk, she responded. She cut off the Arla. And in the Medrash, the, the Nachash revealed it to her. Somehow it became clear to her that that was the cause, and that's why she did the Mila. So now, now she understood that it was because of the Mila, and now she made a new comment, which said, oh, it's not because of the boy, it's because of the Mila. Well, isn't it because of the Mila in the first place? It's like she's missing, it's not clear what changed between the second Pasuk and the third Pasuk, you know, between the first thing she said and the second thing she said. What new information did she have? And if she didn't know it was because of the Mila, why did she think it was because of her son? Why is she blaming her son? She must be blaming her son because of the Mila. So what new piece of information came revealed to her when the Malach stopped killing him when she did the Mila? 
What did she think she was going on here? <coughs> it's like contradictory. The first Rashi and the third Rashi, Rashi and the first Rashi and the third Rashi are contradictory. First one saying is that it became revealed to her from the way Moshe Rabbeinu was dying. The third one saying it only she understood it when either when the the Malach stopped killing her because of the meal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting though. She doesn't quite say now it's because of you. She's like blaming it on the Mila. Even still, she's not blaming Moshe per se. I mean, indirectly, yeah. kind of, right? An yeah. It's also interesting that whole back and forth. Like, it says that he was originally, the Gemara or the Rashi says that he was in Israshel, he was lax about Mila. But then it says, Chas Vashalom. So rather, this whole thing. But I mean, at the end of the day, he ends it up that he was lax in Mila, no? I mean, what really changed exactly? I know there's a whole backstory, but bottom line is, he ended up resolving the thing, he found the Malon, and then he didn't do the Mila, but he did the Malon. So is that, and that's why he's being killed. So how exactly are you solving the Chas Shalom problem? You know? But presumably, presumably the story, right, of this... Uh, Malone and this three days. Presumably, that Rashi is helping us. She's directing us towards the chait and towards what's really going on in this parsha. You know what I mean? Like I would think we should take it as a clue as to what's going on in Moshe Rabbeinu's head, and maybe we could understand a little bit what the chait was from that. You know, from that little back and forth there. According to Uncleus, the first time she said ki hasan damim atali. She was asking the Nachash to, she's basically saying, with the Dom of the Mila, give me my husband back. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like a request. Ki chasan damim, here, mm-hmm. you know, with this blood, atali, give, give it back to me. Give it back to me. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, The second one he says, if not for the Dom Mila, he would have been Chayav Misa. I know it's different. I, I I know that I, I did on class. It's a little it's a little different. But I just think we should try to. We have enough on our plate. I think with Rashi that I think it's going to make things confusing to do. You know. Yes. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Is that Miriam? So there's two two questions I guess you could be asking. I mean, one is what's the point of the story? What can we learn from the story? I think that's a good question. Hopefully, we'll be able to figure that out. But I mean, I don't. But if you're asking like, why is Rashi spending time? I mean, the Torah wants to tell us the story, and Rashi's job as a as a mafarish is to explain to us the pshat in the story of what the psukim are actually conveying to us. You know, so I mean, if Rashi would be silent, you'd have no clue what's going on. So he's filling out the pshat as he sees it in the, in the story, you know, and he's explaining the two different psukim of what she's saying and what the story, you know, it's like, it's especially like certain parts of the Torah are, are understandable on a plain level, that, you know, what's going on. This is one of those parts which you really don't know what's going on, so Rashi's, you know, part of his job is to help us understand, like, the pshat. So it, I think given the crypticness that's a word of the Psukim, it's not especially long Rashi's. I mean, Rashi's often long, you know, but there's nothing like super, like, unnecessary. He's kind of really just explaining the Pshat. 
But what's the point of the pshat, and what's the significance of the whole pshat? That's a good question. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it as being, from my experience, I don't see it as being out of character of Rashi. You know, in the degree in which he explains it. But I just still don't really understand, like, the whole point of the entire... Yeah. I now I understand, you said it makes sense why Rashi spends so much time explaining it, because right. he does. I don't really understand the story so much. Right, yeah, yeah, okay, me neither. Yeah, that's, that'll be part of our goal, to try to see what we could understand of the story. Okay, good, good question. Someone else, any other questions? Tamara, I forgot what questions you emailed me. Were there any others that um, that were leaving out here, or you basically got them? I think that was it. Okay. I mean, it's still a question. I don't really know if we can answer it, but I'm wondering, is like, does this Nachash thing literal? It's not clear. I mean, clearly there was some sort of a way. I mean, I think at the very least, something happened that Moshe's life was in danger. That's that's like Pshat and the Pasuk. And she understood, it became revealed to her somehow that it was because of the Milo, because that was her immediate response. Whether there was literally the snake going on, or somehow it's a muscle for some sort of a way that the God conveyed to her that it was because of the Milo, I think doesn't doesn't matter that much. I mean, it would be interesting if we could understand why he uses a snake, or I don't, you know. But for me, like, that's like a strange part of the story, but I don't think it's matters too much, you know? I mean, it's interesting. It would be, like, it would be nice if you could find an explanation, but uh, what I read that as is that God conveyed to her that it was that it was because of me. Yeah, she might have thought, maybe she thought that even though she had done the circumcision, he was still going to die. So she was saying, like, this, the fact that the son was born, his, her husband was in an impossible position, where he wouldn't know about whether to follow God's will or circumcise the child. And so it was like an um, unavoidable consequence that the child would die. Right. And maybe she was even talking to Moshe, not to the baby, I don't know. But then when Moshe was released, she realized that it was about the mulos. Um, and so, and she had solved the problem by doing the mulos. Uh-huh. So it wasn't like a, just, a justice punishment for what Moshe had done, but rather she realized that it was undoable because of the mulos. I understand. Not that I know why that would be. Right, I understand. He's trying to sketch an approach. I understand. It's also, isn't it interesting also how she threw the Arla at his feet? She touched it. Well, Rashi says she threw it, but it, like whatever it is. That was left uncovered. <laughs> right, Rashi says, But it, whatever, it's, it's not that, that different, you know, whether you learn it means touched or threw it, or, you know. Yeah, the uncle says she brought it close to him. I mean, whatever it is. Could be she touched it to him by throwing it. You know, I don't know if she bent down and did it, but she threw it and then it touched his feet. But it's like a funny, why is she doing that? You know, it's like a strange thing to do. It's not very sanitary. Snake had him. Yeah, we spoke about it a little. Throwing it seems like she was kind of angry. Touching it seems very intentional, like maybe she thought it would have an effect or something. Uh huh. I understand. You mean it's like Rashi's changing the shot a little bit, the plain implication. But what kind of effect? What did he say? What kind of effect? That would be, I guess, if maybe she thought it would work to save him or something. Okay, so I guess the question would be, how would that work? It was the only part of him that she could touch so that, you know... Second, one second. You know what I mean? Like, I guess if you want to pursue that thought, it would be, it's a good thought, but the question is how, maybe if you could try to figure out how, how that would save him somehow. You know, why would My that mom be? And she's saying maybe we'd get him to do chuba. Okay, what well, did you say? Who said that? Or you just said that? My mom is here. Oh, your mom is here. Okay, hi, mom. Yeah, that's a good thought. Maybe we'd get him to do chuba. 
That's the only way she could reach him to connect with him at that point. So she had to touch his foot to like give him a hint that this is your last chance. You're basically on you know right. your last breath. Right. Okay. And but she could have kicked him. <laughs> <laughs> sure, kick him while he's down. Yeah. Okay. But I like that Shuva point. I mean, she's like maybe that hooks in with uh, Yael with what you were bringing up earlier, like, that is it Sipora the player here, or is Moshe the player here, but maybe by throwing it at him, she's trying to, like, remind him or point out to him the Mila issue, and somehow to convey a point to him that would help him, help him be actively involved in this event, not just her. The foot is symbolic of also like going on the derech. Mm-hmm. So maybe it has something to do with the fact that he was so busy with his travels that he didn't think about the Arla. Right. And so it's kind of like a hint to him, like, mm-hmm. you know, why are you busy with that when you should have right. been busy with mm-hmm. something else? Right. So you're what she said. She's saying the feet are representative of the travels. So maybe she's throwing it at his feet to point out to him something that has to do with him not going on the road, going on the road and dealing with his travels prior to doing the mila. Yeah. So um, maybe let's let's um, let's try to work this thing out. But I think maybe the where would you start? If you're trying to work out what's going on here, where do you think would be a good place to start? I mean, we have a lot of problems and some initial thoughts, but what would be, how should we try to unravel this? What should be our first place to start? Any suggestions? Okay, so I'm just going to say an easy suggestion in the beginning. Okay? <laughs> okay, I like starting in the beginning. I would say I always start in the beginning, but at the same time, as, you know, there's a lot of things going on here. So there's a certain sense to, instead of jumping in, let's say in the third Pasuk and trying to work it out, the third Pasuk exists in the context of the, this event. So perhaps if we start at the beginning you know, we'll be able to paint the picture and derive what's actually, you know, what's going on in a fuller type of a way. You guys follow me? I mean, that's just like a methodological point. You know, I mean, sometimes you could start later if you have a clue or something opens up your eyes to an idea, but given that there's just a lot of problems here, maybe we could try to slowly work our way through the story. So, let's try the, what's the very first thing is basically the Gemalach, or God, trying to kill Moshe Rabbeinu. And we, right away, Rashi does, starts addressing that problem. Why was God killing Moshe Rabbeinu? So he says, because he didn't do Milah. Right? And now at first, the Gemara, or the Rashi, suggests because he was uh, Nisrashel, he was lax. But uh, Rabbi Yossi gives us much more insight into that. He says, v'shalom, not just plain lax, that can't be. That can't be, I guess. Moshe Rabbeinu is too great a person to just say, uh, like a plain guy, he'd say, hey, he doesn't care about Mila. But obviously Moshe Rabbeinu is not going to be lax about Mrs. Mila. So rather, something more sophisticated must be going on. So maybe we could try to, to, to try to gain some insight into what was the chet, what was going on in Moshe Rabbeinu's mind here. And what was, you know, what was, what was uh, you know, So, any thoughts? Could we, like, uh, what's what's his doing, other than saying that he was Nisrasha? Sounds like Rashi doesn't want to say, or Rashi doesn't want to say he was lax. But what, so what then is his chet? What's the whole... Well, I, mean, I have a thought, I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. Basin, but being that it's Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm thinking that 
what would be the only thing that would push aside his sense of the priority of Mila would be his other mission that he was on right now. He was supposed to be going to back to Egypt, you know, okay. to uh, based on God's word. Okay, good. And he, he felt that that was in the order of priorities that had to take precedence. And so he, and then it was also factoring the baby's safety and all those other things, but he put that first. Okay. I believe that was a mistake. <clears throat> I don't know. Okay. I hear you. Is that KB? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I hear you. Good. Good. You mean it's like making it more, not just in Israel, but he was like involved with like important stuff. The right. mission, the Mila, the baby. Right, he had many words of Hashem here to be trying to balance out which one is he supposed to. Right, 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 right. He's not just um, dealing with hotels and like trying to be comfortable in a hotel, but he's grappling with a very right. complex predicament which he finds himself in. Almost like a contradiction. It's not so hard to think that he might think that the, the needs of the robe, you know, saving the whole people, right. <laughs> or the needs of the whole people are more than his own thoughts. Right. Yes. Right. So he has like he has himself here like a three way contradiction. On the one hand he has a tzivoy of go down to Mitzrayim. He has a tzivoy of doing Mila. In theory he has to listen to both Tzivoyim. But listening to both Tzivoyim means endangering his son. Which presumably isn't a good idea, but I don't know. I mean, after all, there was an Akeda. Like, it's not, it's not clear that that's not an option to endanger his son. Like, you're saying, I mean, maybe the needs of Kali Yisrael take precedence. And Rasmila, like, I don't know. He's, like, kind of stuck in, like, a real dilemma, right? It puts him in a very difficult state where he doesn't really know the solution. But he's, like, you see, Rashi's painting a picture of him, like, almost like it's an enigma, a puzzle which he finds himself in where he has these contradiction between three factors which are can't be worked out together the two tzivoyim and the safety of his newborn son right and you can't like something has to give you can't he can't accomplish both tzivoyim and protecting his son so he's got a real problem on his hands well, we know the halacha that if a, a child will be endangered by the person, you push it off until the, the child is well enough to, to be to to be you know healthy enough to go through the breast. So, I think you know if if Moshe had to make a call between these two contradictory things, and it meant that he didn't have to skip the breast completely, but he could push it off a little bit. At that point in time, he was right to say that endangering his son is not the right thing to do. But once he was no longer in a state where it would endanger his son, he was supposed to reevaluate that and say, now I have to, to do the Mila. Right. And he didn't catch that moment when right. he was supposed to reevaluate right. it. Right. Okay, that's good. You mean... Also, how does that go with the, the review of you, how he's, like, we got to take them alone? It seems like he's, like she's saying, like, if he had the opportunity, but maybe he was, that's why he was punished, if he was involved with something that he shouldn't have with him alone. Right. I mean, he knew that at some point he would have to give his son a meal. He wasn't saying, I'm never going to do it. He right. was just saying, at this point in time, the T-boy of going back to Mitzrayim right. comes first until... <coughs> I can find a time when I could do the Mila and, and not endanger my son's life. And then he got caught up in that other thing and he didn't. Right. Yeah, right. So he's... So I'm not so certain. I'm not so certain what the resolution is. It doesn't... Rashi doesn't tell us exactly what the resolution would have been had he not found the Malon. It's not clear to me. Like, I know that maybe in the Shulchan Aruch, if... if Moshe Rabbeinu had a handy dandy Shulchan Aruch to pull out, then maybe we today would bask in that, but I'm not so sure that the factors that we use are necessarily the factors Moshe Rabbeinu would use. And, you know, like, Avram and Bris Avram and Bris Mila is, like, very important, and the mission is very important, and I don't know, I'm just not sure. I'm not, I'm not certain. Rashi doesn't tell us what his decision was. It kind of sounds, all Rashi conveys to us is a puzzle. 
Moshe Rabbeinu in a state of puzzlement, and it doesn't tell us how he resolved it. What it does tell us is that all of a sudden there was a mir, there was a malon, right? Somehow all of a sudden it's like depicting to us this 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 enigma, but then apparently the mother is a malon on the scene, right? So maybe it's like how is Moshe Rabbeinu going to react when he sees the malon? Okay, because he still don't understand. Okay, fine. So now that he had the malon, so then. So why did he involve himself with the Malon first? And now if you'll say he had to get the Malon otherwise to make sure it was safe, well then what's wrong with that? Isn't that appropriate? So most people have to say that he knew he'd be able to get the Malon. So then why, so then why did he do that? You know, what was his, what was his uh, mistake here? So maybe, like, how would you think? Here it is, imagine, Moshe Rabbeinu in this state, where he's in this absolute, like, like logical, mental contradiction. On the one hand, he has the mitzvah of Mila, on the other hand, he has the mitzvah of going to Mitzrayim, on the other hand, he has the safety of his kid. And here is this, like, this puzzle. And then, he's like, imagine the state, where imagine the difficulty, and he's like grappling with the problem. Put yourself in that type of a mindset. What do you do? And, and not only that, here it involves the safety of his child, his newborn child. So this is like a serious type of a, you know, he's like caught with a lot of issues going on here. And then he sees the malon. And the malon is the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. It's the solution. It's the solution to this puzzle, to this big contradiction. Because with the malon, the way Rashi and the Ran are learning, is that he found the solution. He could accomplish all three. He could do the mila, go down to Mitzrayim, and maintain the safety of his child. So it could be that at that moment the Malon was like the salvation for Moshe Rabbeinu. It was like, it, it's that which resolved his problems. And he got carried away with that resolution of his problem, that he quickly wanted to like lock it up. Like, you know, in a certain sense, he was put into a very difficult, stressful state, which pulls on his mind, and pulls on his emotions of his baby, and the safety of his baby. And when he finally sees the Malon, it like... The, the locking up the reservation with the Malone represents to him the easing of his, of his problem, of this, of this dilemma. It solves his problem. Until he gets the Malone, there's still an uneasiness about the whole state. Because even though he may intellectually see the solution, but the nature of this dilemma like, gets him on an emotional level also, because the, he has his baby on the risk, and his, his and also the his emotion is tied in with the mission. I mean, he's very attached to the mission and to me, love the whole deal. So it could be as like he became like in a certain sense bewildered by the state, and he got carried away with resolving the contradiction and resolving the dilemma which he found himself in. That he allowed what he really should have done at that point is once his mind saw the solution then he should have quickly jumped on Mrs. Mila. Because uh, Mrs. Mila is important, and you want to do it right away. But what he did is, is that in order to resolve the, 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 the problem, he quickly, he, he, he went to the Malon first. And that was his slip. That's not lazy about Mrs. Mila. That's what Rebiyas is saying. It's like, I think Kibiyas is saying, it's, like, it's much more subtle than that. It's a much more involved, higher level type of an issue than just... He was an Israshah about Mitzvah Smil. He's not that type of a person. But this, like, it had to do, the Chet had to do with Moshe Rabbeinu's perfection, of his intense attachment to Mitzvah Hashem, and both Mitzvah Hashem, and also to his child. And the, the problem which these, these, like, kind of put him in a state of perplexity, what's he supposed to do? So he, like, when you find the resolution, it's like he, he naturally pulled towards it. And he, he moved towards it too quickly, and instead of moving quickly towards Mitzvah's Mila, the second he had a solution, he moved towards resolving the, the life of his child. You know? It's like, that's why... Can I ask a question? Okay. One second, I was starting. Give me a second. I'm just thinking that's why the story um, is, is phrased in such an odd way, almost, because it starts with, until the, the point where you had them alone, there was no story to tell because yeah. there was nothing, and Moshe yeah. was doing the right thing. He was right. doing what he was supposed right. to be doing. Right. And the Torah is only revealing the story at this point right. because once he got to them alone, 
that's when we realized that even a tzaddik like Moshe could right. have stumbled. Right. And it, the lesson right. for all of us is that right. don't think that you couldn't stumble right. even, sure. no matter how great you are. For sure. For sure. Good. Good. Question? Who is that? Hello? Yeah, hi. Who's that? KB? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes, exactly. So, so, so going back to the husband of the mission, I'm wondering if that hesitancy for somebody like Moshe Rabbeinu would indicate um, some ambivalence still about his mission that he's on. And this is maybe a hint as to why um, the, the repercussion for him was this severe. Because it wasn't a small... Right. It's such a small stumbling like we would make. Right. It was the stumbling of a person um, who should have been, Hashem was basically saying, you should be over this hesitancy already. Right. <laughs> you've, been, you've been chosen for this and you have to do it. Right. And you have to be, and you have to be certain. There's no more uncertainty. Yes. So at his level, even the tiny little, right. tiny little uh, pause or, or preoccupation with his side, or distraction by the Malone is, 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 uh, is an indication of uncertainty that, that has to be corrected. Yes. Yes. Good. So, so what you're trying to do now is to make this segue from this way of understanding what's going on and what his chayt is to why this is what's going on in the punishment. So what I would recommend at this stage is in the methodology point is to move let's move on in the Psukim because that seems kind of what Sipora is trying to address also. She's like wrapping her head around this and she's commenting on the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu's life is in danger. You know what I mean? So maybe we could try to work, let her teach us a little bit about you know with Rashi's interpretation about the way she in real time is commenting about what's going on here and she seems to be explaining the same thing that you're trying to explain about what's the cause of Moshe Rabbeinu's life being put on the line because of this whole thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. So I, I like your thoughts but let's see if we could, let's see what where she leads us. Maybe it'll be towards there or maybe not. We'll see what happens. Okay. So any, any other question before we move towards that? Any other questions on what we're, where we're at so far? I had a side question. Um, and if I later in the process, you throw even that um, uh, Tipara, the uh, kids are not even with him. So, like, uh, why would they, why did they even have to come? Like, has that been a mistake also? I don't know. That's a good question. But I would agree that it's a side question. Uh, I don't know. Can I comment on it? Yeah. Even though um, I think it might not be a side question because I think that maybe that's the quandary he was in. He could easily leave them behind and that would have removed the whole dilemma, do the Britney line and then leave his son and walk behind. So I was thinking that maybe the whole problem is coming from the fact that he really wants to bring them. But Hashem doesn't really ha- Hashem doesn't have a problem with him bringing them, but then he does have a problem once they're in the lodging. And that, that would explain why he's so emotional about it because it's all about like did he do the right thing by bringing them at all? Just because he wanted his family or something like that. Right. Okay, I hear you. I hear you. The, the thing is, it's a little bit speculative, right? Like you're going beyond what Rashi tells us. But it might be. You know, I'd like to see if someone comments on the question of why he, you know. But it's possible. I hear what you're saying. I don't rebuke him later for bringing them. I don't rebuke him later for bringing them. This week's Parsha, right? I forgot what I was saying. I know. I know, I think so, right? Yeah. I know. Yeah, right. Uh, not only that we have enough people there, are you trying to bring more people into there? Yeah. I know, I know. We have to look into it. I just, that's why, I mean, it might be related, it may not be a slight question, but I think we'd have to pursue it. I just, I'm trying, let's, let's, let's keep this line of thought, but it's, it's something to, to look into. It's a good question. I hear it's a good approach, Al. I'm just not sure. Isra one of the advisors to Paro? 
Um, I think that also might be a side point. Oh, but I'm just wondering if um, he was, you know, was Tzipora born in Midian or was she born in Mitzrayim? Like, is she... I don't know, let's, let's try to... Okay. I'm going to run out of time here. <laughs> okay, so what happened here? So, so what did she say? Could we understand what her first response was? She says, it's because of you. Right? She said about her kid. Oh, so she's throwing it. First thing is, the throwing it down to Moshe Rabbeinu's feet is good. Because she's seemingly... I mean, we have to get into this, but seemingly the chait has to do with him not being quick about Mila. So that's his chait. So she has to bring it to his mind, as I think KB said before, to make him, to order him to Tshuva. Tshuva is regarding the Mila, because that's what his slip here, is because of this whole state, that was what he slept, and he didn't do the Mila right, right away. So she knows it's not a magical thing to do the Mila. She has to get through to Moshe Rabbeinu and get him to do a Tshuva about his relationship to it. Fine. But what did she do when she's saying is she's blaming the kid? It's a funny thing to do. Uh, what's what's the, the the nature of that comment? She's saying, because she's saying you, my kid, are like a husband killer to me. What kind of uh, response is that? That's true. So that's a question, right? Yeah. You're mostly blaming him. I think Tibor might be asking some kind of question about God's justice. When the first time, like something that seems like maybe something unjust is happening, she doesn't really understand. Like what Tamara was saying. talking to the baby, she was talking to him in a way that either she was talking to him in a way that she should understand what was the concept of what she was doing, right. or she was talking so that Moshe could hear, you know, this is right. the situation. I, I can't believe that right. she would really be no, 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 no. Right. the baby. Right. Right. So maybe it means, in line with what your point and also what Tamar was saying before, is that it's like what what really brought out, it could be she's identifying, what really brought out this whole problem was the baby. Which means it could be she's identifying is what threw Moshe Rabbeinu off was the emotions about her his new child. And in a certain sense, like babies are great, and they're, you know, they bring a lot of good emotions, but they create challenges. And here it is, Moshe Rabbeinu is being thrown off because his, it's like the emotion which is active here is his concern for his newborn baby. And it could be like she's not like blaming the baby like it's your fault, but she's like identifying that the cause of what threw all things off, had it not been because of the baby emotions, then this thing would have been fine. Moshe Rabbeinu is a rational person who had to work through the problems. The emotion which got in the mix here was when, when the, the, there was like a, a conflict between Moshe Rabbeinu's commitment to the Tzivuyim and on the, on the one hand, and on the other hand, his love for his baby and his concern and fear about the well-being of his baby. So it could be she's like commenting that it's like the predicament of having the kid is really what the cause of this whole thing was. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't choose to have the schet, so to speak. It's not like he had the chet, as much as the scenario of the child is really, was the cause 
and they brought out emotions in Moshe Rabbeinu, which was the cause of this mis- this misstep, and that was really what 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 was bringing about his death. You know, so that was like her her analysis of the situation, like the cause. She was like defining the cause of the of the problem and the hate and the potential death was the baby. But it means, of course, the emotion of the baby and Moshe Rabbeinu's relationship to the baby. Which is... Something? Yes. Say KB again. What's that? So I'm wondering... Is KB again? Yes, hey KB. So I'm wondering if she had an insight here about the contradictory nature of Moshe's role as the, the uh, head of his family as opposed to the head of the nation. Right. And that gives a clue as to why he doesn't, she's not mentioned again now until Yisro brings her. And he doesn't take her right. on the next part of the He doesn't take them on the next part of the mission. Right. And eventually he even said, got rid of her, right? Right. And eventually he doesn't even be able to have a family. Right. Family. Right. His family was Kalisrael eventually. It's true. Yeah. That was even what they he was criticized for by Miriam and Aaron, right? But that was the fact. Right, apparently he... I know, that's interesting. That is interesting. I know. In a way, he's having... He's stating it very dramatically, but he's stating it in a very way that a mother might. Right. Having this insight that the very... The right. very fact of him having a child is going to cause him... Right. ...in conflict with what it is that he needs to do. Right. Yeah, right. And that was, she was identifying that as the, right here, he almost got killed because of that, this conflict. This is like a serious conflict for Moshe Rabbeinu, who's supposed to be the leader of Kali Yisrael, which is an immense task, and at the same time, he's a father, and he has a kid, and he has a family, and she's like defining, she's like blaming the kid, but she's like identifying the cause, right, it's like he's grappling with that type of, uh, these two different you know, roles, if you will. But she's saying it, she's saying it very boldly. Yes. Like, yes, yeah, yes, exactly. But she's, she's a, yeah, to bring out the point. Right. Yes. Shocking. Yeah, yeah, excellent. In fact, the motion was in a terrible situation because he was trying to choose between being a father of his child and being a father of his right. patient. Right. And it was an impossible kind of a choice. Right. Right. And some, something was going to have to give. Right. Correct. It's pretty right. amazing that she was eight days postpartum. <laughs> she was able, in that state, to not be emotional about it. That's true. And to pick up a sharp stone <laughs> and to true. do surgery on her own it's son. I'm sorry. We have to, like, note the fact that she it's was... It's true. It's true. Kudos to Yeah. Okay, good. So, well, last step. So, what, what's the last pasuk? So, then she says, Then by year af mimanu. Then the Malach ceased his hold and let him let Moshe Rabbeinu go. And then she said, that Then Rashi says, Then she understood that it was because of the Milah. And she said, My husband was being killed because of the Milah. Didn't she already know this? Wasn't this already part of the whole story? What did she now finally understand when the, when the Malach let its grips off. I mean, what's the difference with the Malach is letting its grips off or on? The point is, it's still the same, is that the Mila was the cause of this whole thing. So what's her new insight, or whatever? She's saying something new, which is close to what she said before, but not quite. She couldn't really be sure that that was the reason until he was, he was released. So she's just echoing the same sentiment, just saying, I have confirmation now. But she's not saying the exact same thing. She didn't say beforehand. She should have said before, maybe, and now, definitely. Right? She's kind of saying it a little differently. Right? She previously was blaming Eliezer. Mm-hmm. Now she's blaming Mila, so to speak. I'm using blaming in a loose term, but you know. There were two parts to what Moshe did. One was the act of um, 
you know, being involved with finding lodging for his son, and the other was the the not doing the milah. Right. So it's like two parts of the same coin. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're right. saying the first part was he didn't he, he got involved in in uh, his son, right. and his emotions got the better, right. and that was one chait that he did. Right. And the other part of the chait is the, that not doing the milah chait. Mm-hmm. So she was pointing out both sides right. of the chait. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Okay. Someone else? Okay, so maybe, yeah, go Yeah. So I'm just putting it out there that possibly taking it one step further into saying not only the role, of, the, like the emotional role of being the leader of his family versus the leader of everyone would contradict you, but that inevitably it would come down to um, conflict in Allah itself about whether he would have to put his family first, or, I don't know, like it seems to go one level deeper from right. just his contradictory roles, right. that, that actually the halachas of what his family needed would be in contradiction to what was needed overall. Right. Does that seem okay that's fine? It's true. I thought I don't believe it's answer, maybe. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. It's not clear how long the trip was. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. The first lesson of motherhood is you can't plan for these things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Should have done a scheduled C section there. <laughs> yeah, okay, so maybe like this. This is um based on something I, I think I want to Rabbi speaking out of breath uh, about this uh this, this story. So some of what I'm gonna say is uh, is based on what he said. But maybe what he real what she realized now, what changed? So maybe what changed is first of all what changed is is that Originally, she was in a very emotional state. What do I mean by that? Her husband was in the middle of being killed, right? And that was her initial reaction. She, the first reaction was while Moshe Rabbeinu was still in the grips of the Malach. And that was her first assessment. Her first diagnosis of the situation was at that point. Then, after the Malach stopped, now she made another arguably deeper insight into what's going on. Okay, that, that's the first step. How so? So it could be, is like at first she was saying it's because of the baby and because of the emotions about the baby. But then she's realizing, you're not high of Misa for having bad emotions about a baby. That doesn't, that's not, that gets to the point that I, I think KB was mentioned before. It's like, that doesn't, what's so terrible? I mean, okay, fine. She had a he was over-attached to the baby, maybe, and he was worried about his life. Okay, fine, but that, is that Chaya Misa for that? That's it's true, Moshe is great, but that's, is that really the, the lesson to learn here? Be careful about how you relate to your family, right? So maybe she's realizing, no, that she's really attributing it to the Chay now, to the Mila, and the gravity of the Chay was tied in with the Mila. And perhaps the idea is that, see, Mila is the Bris Avram, and the idea is, is that, Avram Vinu is founded like uh, Kali Yisrael. The nation is built on Avram Vinu, and the Bris Vinu Asarim, and his Bris Mila, and the perfection of Avram Vinu as embodied by a Bris. And the Bris of Ram and his legacy is maintained in the Am through our commitment, the Bris Mila. So the mission of Moshe Rabbeinu is, was only successful because of the Avos. Many times the Torah says it's not because Kali Yisrael is great, but it's because of the Bris of the Avos. Because of uh, because the Jews cried out to the God of their fathers, is the the success of the Jews going out of Mitzrayim was insofar as the Jews embodied the perfection and the lessons of the bris of Avram Yitzchak Yaakov. So the Moshe Rabbeinu's mission and the success thereof is contingent upon Moshe Rabbeinu, the leader of the mission, standing on the shoulders of Avram Yitzchak Yaakov. And, uh, and having a firm, solid commitment to the mission of Avram Yitzchak And for Moshe Rabbeinu, in the incipient stages of the mission, to slip up and to miss even a moment of mitzvah's milah, to give it like a secondary significance and to let it slide, even for a moment beyond that was necessary, sets like a bad precedent. And it 
it, it divorces, it almost like divorces Moshe Rabbeinu from being completely leaning on the, the, the ideas and the, met, and, the met, and the mission and the breast of Avram Rabbeinu. So it could be she's saying is that but the cause of the Mila here was because if Moshe Rabbeinu can't stand for the mission of Avram Rabbeinu in the fullest way, in the most convincing way, if there's an implication in the eyes of the nation that Moshe Rabbeinu is not fully adhering to Bris Avram and he's not on top of it and he's not fully Zahir, Zahir is as he's supposed to be, then he's not fit to be the leader of this mission. And God would have to get somebody else. Is, uh, and that's why he, he would have been, you know, wiped out. Because Moshe Rabbeinu and Klai Yisrael can't be successful without the firm commitment and, and standing on the, 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 the Bris Avram in the significance of uh, Bris Avram. So it could be what she did is that afterwards she realized, yes, the emotion which caused Moshe Rabbeinu to slip up might have been the child, not because Moshe Rabbeinu didn't didn't care it was Chas V'Shalom is Rasha Mila but what did the emotion of the child cause? it caused Moshe Rabbeinu to have a slip up in the proper Zahiras about Mitzvah Mila and that was really the cause of his uh, Lamulos he was going to be killed not because of a family slip up is what the family slip up the emotional slip up led to it would have led to him being a leader but in the implication or the truth that he wasn't as Zahir and he let his own issues get involved in his uh, adherence and uh, you know the establishment of Riz Avram as the foundation uh, of his mission and that's what was really you know that, that it could be was her deeper expression of what was but, but she had that Azhevina doesn't mean that she understood that it was because of Mila. Because she knew the whole time that it was because of Mila. But she understood on a deeper level that it, the, the, the significance of Mila. And that was the takeaway lesson that she had, and she was commenting. She was expressing how the, the lesson is how significant Mila and Abraham is to the mission of the whole uh, success. And it could be that's something we can learn from here. Is that the, it's, it's, it's the many second, but the idea of that the whole, the whole nation is rooted in, uh, in Abraham, you know, and the significance of Mila. Mila and the Mitzvah and the idea of us. So there's a parallel between uh, between uh, Mila and Karim Pesach, like not leaving over from the Karim Pesach and not doing the. Good point. As you see, right before uh, they went out of Mitzrayim, they had to be involved in that Mila and Pesach Mitzrayim.